It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Before we go to my next guest, Gretchen Davis, a public school parent in Arlington, a former public school educator, and also a former private school educator. Uh, let me go back to Jack White uh, for a moment. And Jack, you know, with this conversation around critical race theory, you know, again, a legal component, or is there a legal action uh, that can be taken? You know, we talk a lot about school boards. You look at the various people that object to this. Is there a legal path in legal theory? I guess we'll have to take it that way since we are a vast nation with various constitutions uh, outside of Virginia, obviously. Is there a legal theory of challenging critical race theory in our school systems? There absolutely is. So, and it goes back to both federal law and the United States Constitution, the principles that undergird our constitution that all men are created equal. And what that proscribes, meaning stops, is race or sex stereotyping. So to fight this battle at the state level is to win it. And to win it is to maintain a country founded on the ideal that all men are created equal. But David, not to fight this battle is to lose it. And losing it is a concession that America should be a society that judges people based on the color of their skin, not the content of their character. The only thing stopping state leaders from fighting against critical race theory, and that's where it should occur, at the state level, is the political attacks sure to follow if they take a stand. But, David, I I don't know if your listeners know, I'm black, and I am a black man who believes that critical race theory is damaging to our society, but worse. As an attorney, I believe that it is unconstitutional, and and it's unconstitutional because it's contrary to our system of freedom and individual responsibility. How am I going to hold a child, a third grader, responsible for slavery when that child doesn't even fully understand what slavery was? I got to tell you a quick anecdotal story. My daughter, who is 14 years old, I heard her on the phone with some of her friends the other day. And David, she didn't know that I was listening. And my daughter You know, I'm black and my wife is Costa Rican and Jamaican. So people, when they look at my daughter, they don't know her ethnicity. And some of her friends said to her, Alexis, what are you? And there was a pregnant silence. And then she said, I'm a dancer. Now, David, she doesn't even think that way. You know, but if we start teaching this attribution of blame, At the early level, then we create a society based on guilt, based on race. And that is exactly contrary to what the framers of the Constitution envisioned when they said that all men are created equal and imbued by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Part of what they were saying 
is don't judge based on race. Don't judge based on gender. Don't judge based on all of these other superficial things because as you are wont to say, there is only one race, the human race. And then let's begin from there. Jack White uh, here with me on a number of issues throughout this special on reopening education. Uh, Gretchen Davis joins us now, parent, public school educator at one time, private school educator at one time. And, uh, you know, I, I deign to give you a title, Gretchen, but education science and what it does to our children. Uh, you, of course, someone who's been heavily involved in taking care of children beyond just education. Uh, without the resources that you and your husband can offer children, what about other parents out there who can't? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, We are also foster parents for our county, and I think during this pandemic, um, what has really kept me up at night with this whole school's debacle and the refusal to open school and give kids educational opportunity has been how it affects um, those who are socioeconomically disadvantaged and disproportionately in our society, people of color. And um, we had, the week after the pandemic, two little girls join our family, and um, they uh, did online school with us as best we could, and they eventually and thankfully returned home And their mother is really struggling with how to um, hold a job and monitor their own online education. And now that it's hybrid, which is two days on for different days for each of her kids and two days off, it's just really hard for her to get a job. So it is further complicating um, her ability to care for her kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, all the people in my wealthy community are going to form pods of education groups and hire tutors and my own kids, my biology, my own personal kids will be fine because I'll figure out how to catch them up. But there is a generation of children that really are going to suffer because they're not in the classroom. You've been in the public school system, private school system, uh, as I said earlier, And you've seen this from different levels. The effect on children is what I'd like to focus on, whether it's your biological children, those foster children already going through turmoil in their lives in some way. And, you know, it's good to have a good foster environment to provide some stability. But these children across America or children across America are being upended in so many ways. And with this, this, shutdown of schools, what are they missing or what are some of the things they're missing that's key to their development? Well, they're, they're missing quality instruction. Um, no teacher will tell you that it is possible to educate um, online as well as you can educate in person. The personal interaction, connectivity, um, the things you learn emotionally, socially, physically from being present Um, they can't be underestimated. And um, providing opportunities, I mean, the opportunities are being stymied. Um, You know, putting kids on a screen all day does not um, do what 
you know, interacting with literature can do and interacting physically in a gym classroom can do um, and watching your teachers interact with other teachers. I mean, it, the list goes on and on, the personal um, interaction. And, and this is not how education should be delivered. Um, I worry mentally, of course, there's tons of research out there about, um, you know, the science, following the science, which is, you know, the epitome of hypocrisy to me is that we are not following the science right now. The science says get these kids back into school, and and um, that's not being done. Uh, I believe that um, special needs kids are suffering. They're begging their teachers, please find a way for me to come back to school five days. I can't do it in my bedroom. I can't learn. And the teachers, honestly, are trying to figure out ways to get the kids back but there's transportation issues and logistic issues. Our um, superintendent in Arlington Public Schools and her, his assistant, Bridget Loft, has said, oh, it's going to be a logistical nightmare to get kids back to school this year. We're going to worry about it next year. And then maybe we'll be able to deliver five-day in person. And that is just egregious to me that transportation can't figure that out. How is it possible that we make so many excuses and we can't figure out logistics to get kids in school you know it's hard to look ahead now uh gretchen but it will find data in time we'll see the results not just the failure rates that we're already seeing uh in various levels of k through 12 education primarily not much data available on colleges but failure rates and more what 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 if possible can you project this looks like in a year when they've already lost a year last year, these children, they could potentially lose half or a full year this year. What does that look like for them as as young people going forward? Well, it's I know you know about the achievement gap and what happens when kids are not educated and um, those who are educated well achieve and those who are not educated well don't achieve and the gap widens. And I think that's what we will see. We will see a huge achievement gap. And, um, you know, it's, it's ironic to me that um, Arlington Public Schools loves to send emails about equity and how Black Lives Matter and they stand against equity, but it is exactly inequity that they are peddling. I mean, they are not providing an adequate education for all kids. Some kids will bounce back and figure it out, but most kids are going to be scarred for life. And um, that's mentally, that's emotionally, socially, um, academically especially. I mean, if, if schools would do what schools are hired to, are supposed to do, and that is focus on reading, writing, and problem solving, and in any way possible, deliver that instruction in person to all children, regardless of their background, regardless of who they are, I, that would make all the difference. Gretchen Davis, former public school and private school educator, foster parent, uh, with the resources, but Gretchen, as you said, you know, let's also show some concern and action is needed for those who don't have the res- the resources. Thank you, Gretchen. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, actually I'd like to go to a school administrator here again. Thank you, Gretchen, for uh, for joining me and uh, 
We've got so much, so much more to go to in Wyoming, Josh. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Hey, David. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a big fan. What's on so your mind today? I am in, I'm an administrator at a higher education institution, and I also teach at another one. And both of them are distance learning. And it, it works very well when you have the right people in it, when you have adults taking classes who know how to manage themselves, where, you know, my kids are in seventh, sixth, and fifth grade. And we were, we moved to a different state last year and we got there right when the pandemic kicked in and they had switched online learning and the school district had no idea what to do. It became a problem. We decided that we were going to pull them and put them in a school that is specifically designed for online that's been around for years and they have been successful. But the difference is my wife works from home and I'm an educator and the amount of supervision we have to give them on our own is, is incredible. So if you have parents who can't give that attention or who aren't educators, these kids are going to continue to fall behind. And on top of that, you know, we just moved to a new state again and my kids don't have the social interaction and I won't put them back in a, in a school on ground until we get rid of all the ridiculousness, like the kids in masks, because kids social development and mental development and everything at that age they need to learn body language and facial expressions and how to read people and we're robbing that from these kids it's a, a tragedy that is of our own making in so many ways josh thank you and that important point uh to wrap this segment up that those who have the resources, the ability, if you're an educator, a stay-home parent involved in any way, whether it's a stay-home or a work-at-home parent, much different environment. And for those that peddle critical race theory, that peddle this garbage rather than educate, what solutions are they offering? Not at the expense of someone else. That's not even a solution. 866-95-PATRIOT-957-2874. I'll be right back. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.